Paul reminds us in Romans chapter 9 and verse 20, who are you, O men, to answer back to God? Who are you, O men, to answer back to God? Will what is molded say to its molder, why have you made me like this? Why have you made me like this? You know what we are? We are clay. We are clay. We are dirt. We don't ever, you've never seen clay stand up and go, I don't want to be a pot. I don't want to be this. I don't want to be that. Clay is just there for the molding. Clay just says, whatever the potter wants to make me, here I am. Let me conform. It may hurt in certain areas. You may have to do it two or three times, but go right ahead. I'm moldable. I'm teachable. I'm just going to sit here and just take it. You're the potter. You know what's best. You know how to bring value to my life. Welcome back to the Hacker Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Today, I was blessed to have a great conversation with Luame Diaz. About a message he preached recently entitled the high cost of complaint he is the new pastor of vertical church in moreno valley california and has been an evangelist for many years ministering all over the world i can't wait to share this with you all but before that we have another five-star review out of australia this one comes from alex he says what a blessing this podcast is from the interviews which provides so much encouragement to insight of apostolic living this podcast is a must-listen for all young believers who want to grow in the ministry and their relationship with God. Thank you for that review and for the continued support on the podcast. Make sure you subscribe and share this with others if it blesses you. Now let's get to the conversation. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's always a joy good to have you back on the podcast and thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule and right now is an even busier time than you for you than normal you like you're normally traveling all across uh america the world preaching and i think the last time we had you on you just gotten back from preaching the circus conference down in mexico <laughs> yeah i remember that uh, that was one of the uh I think that was probably one of the most interesting events that I've ever done. And, uh, yeah. And, and now I, I think I'm in an even more interesting situation now. It's not a circus, obviously, but it's, <laughs> it's uncharted territory. I'm, I'm a pastor now. So yeah, it's uh, amazing. It's kind of the same deal. We tried to get you, I think we were trying to link up and, mid-May or in, end of May, and you were in the process of moving from Indiana out to, to now where you're pastoring in California. You're, you're right outside San Bernardino, is that right? The uh, yeah, well, I'm a little, I'm about 30 minutes from there uh, in okay. a place called Moreno Valley. It's right next to Riverside. Um, it's uh, about 50 minutes from LA, 45, 50 minutes from LA, east of LA. And, and you guys uh, are... So you've taken over the church there, and, and you guys are, are launching at the end of this month. I, j- I just saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a, a small group um, that was meeting. They didn't have a pastor, and uh, basically uh, they were starting from scratch. didn't have a pastor, but they were a group. They were together, and they've been together um, for about close to two years, maybe, maybe a little more than two years without a pastor. Um, so, um, you know, somehow or another, they got a hold of me and, um, they voted me in, they were in agreement and it's been great so far, but we launch not this Sunday, um, next Sunday and it's, it's exciting, exciting time. And it's called, uh, Abundant Living, is that right? Or, uh, in bilingual Um, as well? uh, say it again, I'm sorry. It's called Abundant Living, the church? Is that right? Oh, that no, the, the church, well, the church is called uh, Vertical. Vertical. Oh, church. Vertical. Where did I get abundant from? <laughs> I literally just read it before we pressed record, <laughs> and then somehow no, I just pulled Abundant Vert- out of nowhere. <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good name, too. Abundant <laughs> Living. 
<laughs> you, oh, can, man. you can call us whatever you want as long as you call it. <laughs> That's right. So it, it's a bilingual church. That's exciting, man. I'm really, really excited for you guys. And, and also, we're going to have you here uh, at the end of September for our Turning Point Conference. So I am so looking forward to that. Um, I haven't been in Sydney since the, you know, because of all the pandemic stuff. And so I haven't been there in a while, but man, I'm so looking forward to it. I love Sydney. I love Australia. I love um, the Pentecostals of Sydney. I, I just love everything about it. Awesome. Yeah, we're, we're very much looking forward to having you back. I think it was 18, 2018, the last time you were out here, but we had you virtually. I think it was, I think we had you in 2020 virtually. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. During the pandemic, that's right. <laughs> Via a Parallel, Texas, I think it was. Were you right, recording? Right, right, right. <laughs> you guys have, uh, but you guys were in shutdown for a while in quarantine. Yeah, yeah. Our um, our international borders were closed from uh, end of March 2020 through till uh, beginning of 2022. Like it was like the end of 2021 is when they really first started letting people in uh, that wow. that weren't like citizens of Australia. So, wow. Now, yeah. let me ask you, how long were you out of um, in-person meetings or in-person church service? So it kind of came and went. We did the first lockdown was a couple months. Uh, that was end of March 2020. I think we got back in person beginning or middle of June. I think it was beginning of June. Um, but it was just on and off. So we had um, little lockdowns here and there. And then we had a big lockdown the second half of 2021. So I think it was end of July. We had a big outbreak, uh, at least by our standards, by our government standards, at the end of July. And we were locked down through till I believe it was like mid-October is when we were first mm. allowed to start gathering back together. And then we've been open um, since the... Since the beginning of the year, we've been open and mask-free, at least as far as requirements go, since mid-February. So it's been good. Got it. And we're getting international guests in. We've got the the Lees with us right now, Pastor Timothy Lee from Singapore. And, awesome. uh, and we're having you out with uh, Brother Gaddy for our Turning Point Conference and the Hoffies. So, yeah, it's uh, things are getting back to normal, especially with international travel. I've been traveling a bit here and there, so it's good. It's it's good to feel a bit normal again. Yeah, absolutely. I bet. You guys well, were one of the last ones to, yeah. to open up. So I'm yeah. sure you're you're excited to be back. We were even behind Canada, so I think uh, Oh, that's bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's really bad. <laughs> when to trail in Canada and anything, it's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, the reason we wanted to have you back on, I mean, of course, we just love talking to you, but uh, I was was listening to (laughs) one of your sermons you preached at earlier this year. I think it was Tree of Life Church in in Cincinnati, Ohio. It's a a great podcast there, Pastor Joel Urshan. And uh, and you preach there uh, pretty, pretty frequently. I think a couple, is it a couple times a year, or at least once a year. You, yeah, we, we usually go, which I think this is tradition is going to have to break here pretty soon because I'm, I'm pastoring now, yeah. but I, we usually go, uh, the last, I want to say six, seven years, we've been, uh, going for their new year's Eve service and then we'll stay there, um, for new year's day or whatever that mm-hmm. week. And, um, it has been so much fun um, the last six, seven years. And I am not sure this year, uh, this year might actually be our last time doing it. I'm not sure yet. So mm. we'll see. We'll see. But I, that's one of my favorite churches. I, I love those. I love Tree of Life. It's an amazing congregation, amazing church. Yeah. And it's always a good podcast when the pastor himself is a draw card to to listen weekly um that but, helps yeah so you were you were there you preached uh the sermon it was out of uh, philippians chapter two and a right. powerful right. message on the high cost of complaint and i would have played mm-hmm. a clip at the beginning of this episode before we got into the conversation mm-hmm. and uh 
you've agreed to come on and, and chat with us about it. It's a powerful message. And I, I'm excited to share this with the listeners. Would you mind uh, giving us a bit of an overview or a background of, of your introduction into the idea for this sermon, the, the high cost of complaint? Um, yeah. When, when you ask about um, the introduction, you mean like how I introduced the sermon itself or how did it come about? Like, how did I even think to preach something like that? It could be either. It could be like where the thoughts sort of come from or, or yeah, how you introduce the topic. Yes. Okay. So I was uh, asked to preach at a Spanish landmark in Stockton, California. And uh, they gave me a, um, they gave me a, a theme and the theme was the goodness of God. The goodness mm. of God. So, um, I, I don't do very well when, when people give, give me a theme, per se. Um, and um, I, I just began to research the goodness of God. And the problem is that I, I, there's, a, there's a message I already preach on the goodness of God that I thought, man, this is a great message, but I've preached it. And, mm. you know, um, so I was looking for a way to go through the back door, kind of, um, and kind of talk about the goodness of God, but, um, you know, throwing a curveball at the conference and saying, hey, I'm, I'm going to get there. You know, this is about the goodness of God, but let's focus on how much we, as a species, um, suppress the goodness of God by our mm. complaining. Um, and so that's the approach that I took to it. Um, this this message it's funny because um this message was was like none other and and now you know you're bringing back memories even as i talk about it so i was speaking before i preached that student at uh spanish landmark i was speaking at a church in temecula california and um i was i had nothing I mean, I kept thinking about the goodness of God and I had studied and studied on the, you know, for weeks and I had nothing, I mean, nothing to give. And so, um, that Sunday, so I was, I was scheduled to preach that Sunday night or that Sunday. Yeah. Uh, in Temecula. And then I'm, I'm staying in Temecula through, um, uh, and then that Wednesday night, I'm supposed to speak again. And then I fly out to Spanish landmark to preach that Thursday. So I had nothing someday. Well, I'm gonna tell you what I did. I went, I got a bunch of groceries. Um, I came back to the condo where I was staying. I literally locked myself in a room, closed every door. Uh, and for two and a half days, I worked on this sermon straight. Mm -hmm. Um, just, I mean, just from morning until the wee hours of the morning, um, wow. I just worked on this sermon and just, uh, so when I tell you, and especially this time, the one you heard was at tree of life. And that was the first time I preached it, um, I think in English. And, mm -hmm. um, so I still had all of my notes from that. But when I tell you that I still had that lasted about an hour, that specific one. But when I tell you, I wasn't done. Like, I could have went another hour and a half or so because I just tend to overstudy. But for three days straight, I didn't come out. I didn't go to a restaurant. I didn't go out for air. I didn't go. And I was staying right at the beach. The condo mm -hmm. was right at the beach. I didn't go to the beach. I didn't go... Uh, watch the uh, whales i was i was in that i didn't answer texts like i was focused on this message for two and a half days so um i guess that's the unique uniqueness of this uh particular message right there that's amazing being close yeah. to the beach and and having the restraint to stay <laughs> to stay yes, in sir. studying yes sir yes sir so you you but, you talk about okay. No, I was gonna say, but um, it's probably one of my most researched um, 
messages. I mean, for me, as far as study is concerned, mm -hmm. um, because not all of that time was spent typing. Uh, most of that time was spent studying and researching and crying. Mm -hmm. um, because I felt like a lot of it was directed at me personally. So a lot of that was, you know, I would be under my own, you know, I'm studying to preach to others, but I'm under my own conviction. Um, and I'm asking God, even in that room, I mean, there were times where I would break out as I'm preparing a sermon. There were times that I would just break out and just, um, just you know, going before the Lord and, and asking for forgiveness for my complaint. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah, and that's some of the most powerful preaching is the, is the ones that are personal, you know, the ones that are, that impacted Absolutely. you in the study process, in the preparation process, as well as Absolutely. Agree. And so you start out the sermon talking about complaining, about the culture of complaining, uh, society, the type of society that we're in where, you know, there's just constant complaining about everything. Even, you know, Western society, we, we talk about first world problems and stuff like that, where the things that we're complaining about are, are quite minuscule in comparison to what other people are going through. And then, so you start off with, with that as sort of the background. And then you talk about that there's an acceptable way to complain before the Lord, that not every complaint is necessarily sinful or wrong. So when, when is it acceptable? When is it acceptable for the Christian to complain? So I think that the book of Psalms, um, you know, the, the book of Psalms are split up. Um, it, it's a it's a pretty complex book, and it's split up in five sections and so forth. And there's different kinds of psalms. Um, there is a type of psalm that is called the Psalms of Lament. Lament. Um, and I think that in the Psalms of Lament, God teaches us how to properly complain before Him. Um, as David said, you know, he said, uh, with with my voice, I cry out to the Lord, and with my voice, I plead for mercy. Um, and it's something like I, I bring or I pour out my complaint before him. Um, and, and so that's, that's what the Psalms of Lament are. They complain um, before the Lord. But almost in every Psalm of Lament, with the exception, I think, of one, which is a, I, I forget what psalm it is, but it is a very dark psalm and it never ends on a positive. It just goes like, it's just dark, 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 and you're expecting like the rebound. And it just never, like, it just leaves you out in the valley somewhere. Mm -hmm. and you're like, oh, okay. But with that one, with the exception of the one, that one psalm, every psalm of lament um, has, has a certain format. Um, mm -hmm. See, after their complaining was done, they also acknowledged that even though it hurt and that, that the pain was legitimate, they also trusted that God was in control. Almost every psalm of lament, uh, they, they call the lament, calls the lamenting soul to trust in God, to mm. put their faith in God. Yeah. Um, and, and I feel like that's the proper way to complain. And the proper way to complain is acknowledge, genuinely acknowledge uh, that I'm, I'm weak. I, I don't feel well right now. I, I am human. This is part of my human condition. But after you complain before the Lord, also acknowledge, but you're in control. Right. Thy will be done, not mine. That's, I mean, that was perfect example is Jesus. Um, he goes before the Lord, let this cup pass from me. He's, you know, uh, he's crying and weeping and the whole deal. Um, but when it's all said and done, he says, but not my will, thine be done. And, yeah. and I feel that that's the proper way to complain. It's just by saying, hey, I'm human. I do hurt. I am going through this, but not my will, thine be done. You're in control. Whatever you say goes. Um, that's the proper way. Yeah. You have to get to a point where you, you move past that moment of complaining and you, and you get to that moment of praise or trusting in God, believing believing in Him. That's very yeah, good. Absolutely. You see, it's okay to lament. 
It's okay to go before the Lord with your complaint. Oh, with your humanness. As long as you acknowledge that God is still God. That God is still good. That God is still in control. That he still sits upon the throne. As long as you wipe out the tears and after you've poured out your complaint and demand, uh, after you've poured out your complaint, you raise up and demand your soul praises him because he's never left you nor has he forsaken you. You demand it of your soul. You don't, don't stay in the complaint, but you demand of your soul. Oh soul, he's never left me before. Oh soul, he's Jireh. He will provide. You shall be content. Don't you ever forget any of his benefits. God has been good to you. But then there's a type of complaining that, that the Bible talks about. You, you reference the Bible calls it murmuring or grumbling. And um, when, when the Bible's talking about that, what is it actually referring to? What, what is the Bible talking about when, when it uses those words? And why is that so dangerous? Why is murmuring and grumbling dangerous for the Christian? Well, it's because murmuring isn't just the expression of dissatisfaction to God, but it is the expression of dissatisfaction against God, against mm. God. And, and, and so there's, there's a difference there. Yeah. Um, at the end of murmuring, there's no encouragement of the soul, like the Psalms of lament, like in the Psalms of lament. Um, even after you wipe away the tears, there's still resentment. There's still mm -hmm. bitterness of the soul. There's still a, ugh, you know, and, and it becomes a lifestyle. Um, mm -hmm. I think that the proper way to complain is to be temporarily dissatisfied and to express that dissatisfaction between, uh, to God. I think that that's the proper way to do it. And, and then acknowledge, but you're sovereign. Your will be done. Um, but when you murmur, it's a more permanent dissatisfaction. It's not so much like a temporary moment. It's more of a lifestyle where you're just a, there's a bitterness inside of you. Actually, grumbling is, um, I think that the proper definition is, is when you mutter under your breath against hmm. them. So you don't want to do it out, you know, overtly or out in the open where God can actually hear you. It's more of like a, an attitude of the soul where you're under your breath, you're just like, oh, I can't stand what's going on right now in my life, you know? And that's the attitude. That's what grumbling, literally, that's what grumbling means. Um, so um, that's what's sinful. That's yeah. what the Lord um, despises, that murmuring and, and grumbling spirit um, behind the action itself. Yeah, and, and when you're talking about that, you you go into, you go into, Philippians chapter two, which is your main text for, for this sermon. And you talk about the word that was actually used in that passage for complaining. It's, it's a Greek word. And I, I love how you break that down. You, 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 you share the word and then you talk about what that means. Would you mind uh, breaking that down for us here, unpacking it for us? Yeah. So, um, and you, you break it down in a way that only Luame Diaz can. It's, it's so good. <laughs> um, so, uh, well, the Greek word is, is gongusmas, and um, actually, I think it's gongusmas. Um, but uh, the, the, that word is an onomatopoeic word, onomatopoeic word. And what that means, onomatopoeia, is when a, the, the very sound of the word describes its definition. Mm. So the sound of the word describes its definition. So, for example, when I say, a boom, right? Like, man, that thing went boom. Well, boom, it's the very sound of the word that describes what it means. Everyone would understand what I'm saying because of the sound the word boom makes. Right. Um, so everyone understands, oh, he means an explosion. Um, or when I say, hey, click here. When you say click here, it's because that's the sound that a keyboard makes. Oh, and yeah. because click is that sound then you 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 understand okay that's that's that sound or um etc i mean there's there's a, a you know significant amount of onomatopoeic words so um in the greek language 
Gongus Mas is the it's also an onomatopoeic word. And what that means is that the way that word sounds in the Greek expresses the very definition of the word. Mm. So um whenever whenever someone says gongusmas in the Greek, you understand, oh, he's murmuring. He means uh. to murmur, or he's murmuring. He's 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 got a, a certain dissatisfaction about him, and the equivalent, if I remember correctly, in the in uh, that I used in the message, the equivalent to that in the English language for me is almost like the sound, murmur, or when you yeah. murmur, like mm, you know, you just <laughs> hey do something, you're like mm, you know, and it's just a, you know, that's a sound that I hear like when I tell. Uh, uh, one of my boys to wash dishes, you know, like, mm. or why me? You know, it's like that. Why me? Well, yeah. I don't like this. You know, whatever. So um, that is the uh, that would be the English equivalent, and that's the word in the Greek. And so when God hears it, it's not just that you use because some people say, "Well, I don't murmur because I don't, you know, I don't speak the words." You don't have to speak the words. Grumbling is not about speaking the words necessarily, although that's part of it. But grumbling is an attitude of the heart. It is a gongusmas. It is a of the spirit. It you know, and that's the attitude that God is looking at. The attitude that resents mm. um, in the the place where He has you right now. So yeah. that's. Cool. Yeah, attitude is so important, and 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 you can like I think you, you're even talking about um, in the sermon you're referencing like different things that that you're asked to do as a, a child of God or someone in church. It's like, oh, can you open up the church or can you fix the chairs? And like, oh yeah, fine, I'll do that. Or oh. and and there's just like this complaining spirit, whether you're actually complaining or not. It's it's so important that we have the right attitude. Absolutely, absolutely. Um... It's, I mean, you see it over and over and over again in scripture. I didn't give all the examples of people who complain, but I'm telling you over and over again, you see it in scripture. It's one sin that the Lord detests. Mm -hmm. um, if you really study this thing, he cannot stand um, the spirit behind the complaint. Yeah. He cannot stand it. So. We need to fix it. For Amen. Sure. Amen. <laughs> and and it's important, yeah, that we that we have the right attitude, and, and you go uh, into that more throughout the message. But I wanted to get to this um, before we we get more into that. You you make this really fascinating point out of Lamentations chapter three, uh, I think it's verses thirty seven to thirty nine. But we can just look at verse thirty nine, and you talk about the sovereignty of God and how He is in control, you know, despite what's going on around us would you, would you mind sharing on that point just for a moment before we, we move on absolutely paul said in everything give thanks mm. for this is the will of god concerning you in christ jesus he, and he didn't mean by that in some things he meant everything everything meant everything in everything give thanks um another popular verse is uh that we would probably all know is is romans eight twenty nine, where paul says that all things are working together for the good. And, and what all that means is, listen, it doesn't matter what's coming. In. Oh, uh, James said, uh, what did James say? Uh, uh, this is the problem when you're bilingual. You think of certain <laughs> things in Spanish and then trying to... Um, well, especially anyway. when, you, when you preach the message for the first time in Spanish. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, anyway, I'll get back. I'm sure I'll I'll um, I'll think of it. But um, so, uh, oh wait, uh, yeah, uh, rejoice the trial of your faith because the trial of your faith produces patience. Uh, uh, anyway, read it. It's it's a very good <laughs> it's a very good verse. The the point of it is, and I I forget. I can't believe it's it's one of my favorite verses. But I I don't believe I blanked out. But um, the point is that you should rejoice in in the trial because the trial of your faith produces patience. So 
God is, is working something in you, even in the times of trials, even when you feel like this is not the way that I should, or uh, should, or this is not the way that I should be taken, or, the, or where I should, or I should be way ahead in life, and, you know, or how come I'm not married, or mm-hmm. why was I born so short, or so tall, or so big bone, handicapped, or um, this or that. And I mean, there's so much, or why was I born into this family, not that family, um, et cetera. There, there's yeah. so many complaints. And I think that if you look at scripture over and over again, if you look at the, the, the life of Job, you can look at the life of Joseph and, and both of those will tell you, um, they all went through heavy trial in their life. And even through the trial, God had their best interest at heart, or mm. forget their best interest. He had his own best interest in mind. God did. He right. had a plan that he was working through that. And so this is what he was saying. Don't complain. Because as Joseph said, what you guys meant for evil, God meant it for good. In other words, sinners don't have a right to complain. It is not your world. It is not formed for your glory. It is not formed. This world was not formed for your liking. This is God's world. He is the potter. He knows how to handle. He knows what road you take. And it is his will that is perfect, good, and acceptable. And I think that um, when we preach or when we speak about that specific verse, the word that we emphasize there is good. You know, oh, God meant it for good, good, like good is going to come out of it. And and it's our definition of good. Mm -hmm. That's not that's not the emphasis that Joseph was making. Joseph was or the emphasis that we should all get from that is that God meant it. God meant it. Like, that's crazy to think about that, Mm -hmm. that God meant you being sold into slavery, that God meant you being in prison, that God meant um, you almost falling into the, into temptation through, you know, that God meant all of these things to, Mm -hmm. to, to happen. So um, it's a crazy thought, but (laughs) you know, uh, Another one um, that I can give you is Queen Esther, and when um, when her uncle came to her and said, "Hey, who knows? Maybe God brought you to the kingdom for such a time as this." You know, we preach that often, and we're like, "Yeah, you're in the kingdom for such," but we never ask the question: How did Esther get to the kingdom? How did God bring Esther to the kingdom? Mm. The way Esther came to the kingdom was because, oh man, it, it's such a dark, you know, dark story. Like there's a dark storyline behind all of this. The yeah. way she got to the kingdom is because she was she was coming into the the king's harem, mm. and that's you know, you were going to be used as a sex wife. You're, you're coming in as a slave, as a sex. But but hey, even. In your darkest moments, that does not escape God. He's not the cause of evil necessarily, but God is using whatever the circumstances in your life are to bring good um, to his cause and the world's cause and whatever plan he's got in store. So um, I think that it's important that we say, Lord, wherever I am, I'm thankful because your will is being done. Um, and I'm just going to sit here and obey, not my will, but thy will. That's, that's so good that, that he's working it together for good, but the good may not necessarily be what you consider good, but it is his good. Uh, it, is, it is his intention, what he wants to accomplish on, on the earth. And yeah, you're right that with, with the story of Esther, we, we beautify it. Um, we glamorize it, you know, we kind of, uh, treat her like like she's this celebrity sort of thing rather than what yes, she sir. actually was, you know? Yes, sir. I heard a pre. This is not part of the discussion, I guess, but just a side <laughs> note to add a little deal. But I heard a preacher um, kind of apply that story. And, you know, I mean, 
it brought the house down. Like people were just going crazy, but he's out here going, you know, uh, that's why before you go see the king, like you need to beauty, you know, how Esther yeah. was said that she needed to go bathe in spices and so forth before she went to go see the king. And so he applied that as before you go see the king, you need to sanctify yourself. Like you need to beautify yourself. You just can't go in there looking any type of way or whatever. And I was thinking, man, this is why context is so important because it's almost sacrilege to think that you're comparing our God to a heathen king who is mm. just sexually motivated um, to, to, to be sexually active with a woman who is not his wife. Right. Um, you know, as a concubine to him. And that's why he is asking for her to be cleansed so that it, it, for whatever his sick, perverted, you know, mind wanted it. And so, uh, you know, I'm just like, I don't know. I, <laughs> I just can't see God being up there going, man, I'm, I'm so glad you just compared me to, <laughs> to uh, some wicked, perverse, perverted king who, who's prying on little girls. Yeah. Uh, you know, anyway, that's just, yeah. an, that's just, <laughs> that's just an aside. Well, hopefully everyone who's now listening to this podcast will, will not use that comparison moving forward. Exactly. Exactly. Do your, you know, do your due diligence, read the word, uh, get in the context of things and, and let's not commit that kind of sacrilege anymore. And there's so much stuff in the Bible to preach. That's just straightforward, you know, so much, especially in the Absolutely. New Testament that's just laid right out for you. And if you just preach what's there, I mean, it's powerful all by itself. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've, and I've told my son, uh, I, I just told him, I think yesterday or a couple of days ago, we were discussing this and I, and, and we were talking about it. And I said, you know, it's important. There's many applications, excuse me. There's many applications, but there's just one interpretation. There's many applications, right. but one interpretation. So um, what I meant by that is, um, you know, no scripture is a, is a private interpretation. Um, there's only one interpretation. There's only one way. When you preach, make sure you let us know what scripture really means. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't, you're not preaching the word of God. You're preaching your own application of the word of God. And it may be good, but as good as it is, we weren't called to preach our application of the word right. of God. We were called to preach the word of mm -hmm. God. It is in the word that you're sanctified. It yeah. is the word that, you know, um, leads you um, in, in the path of righteousness, et cetera. I mean, it's the word. So I, I was telling him just a couple of days ago, like when you preach, preach the word, Preach mm. the context. Tell us what the story really means. And then after you tell us what the story means, then you, there's a million ways you could apply that. But make sure you let us know, hey, I'm applying it this way, but it doesn't mean that this is necessarily what happened or what, what it meant to them. Because before we can understand what the text means to us, this is one of the first rules of hermeneutics. Before we can understand what the text means to us, we must first understand what it meant to them, right. the original audience. Right. And that's what we need to preach, first and foremost. Yeah. But anyway, I'm sure your audience isn't interested in that. Let's, you know, let's I, I hope they are. I hope they're interested. I, I, I hope so, too. And even if they're not, I am. So uh, I appreciate <laughs> Amen. it. <laughs> Amen. Well, yeah. uh, uh Coming off that point you, that you were just talking about when you're talking about that God is in control and he's he's working all things together for good, not necessarily necessarily uh, what you believe is good, but, but what he believes is good. He and, and you talked about this a little bit earlier when you're referencing Jesus and, and he was praying the prayer in the garden, let this cup pass from me. And you use yep. that story to highlight um, the this sort of what would seem to be an outrageous statement that we need to thank God for every unanswered prayer. Uh, wh why is it that we need to thank God for every unanswered prayer? You know, I, I will say this. Um, God is so much more wiser than we are. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that uh, 
we would answer our prayers the very same way that God answers our prayers if we were privy to all the knowledge that God has about our past, present, and future. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah. it, it's almost like, you know, your parents have gone through this journey uh, way before y- you came along, you know, um, on average 20, 25 years before you came along. Um, so they have some sort of experience in life. And when you're a kid, especially when you're a teenager, uh, you know, you want to do things your own way and you think, oh, no, they don't know what they're talking about. And I'm going to do this and this is what I like and this is my life and I'm going to go in this direction. And it's not until you get to be like my age that you look back and go, oh, Lord, you know what? They were right. They were right about that. Like, I mm-hmm. really, really messed up. Like, I, I look back now and I go, man, if I would have just listened to my dad here, there, there, like, I would be a multimillionaire right now. Or I would be in a whole different, you know, setting right now because my dad told me so many things that I didn't listen to because I was lazy, because I was, uh, because I felt like I wouldn't enjoy it because I, uh, you know, because I kept thinking, no, he's not the, he's not the king of my life. Like I, this is my life. And, and now looking back, I go, goodness, where would I be if only I had listened to my father or my mother here, there, here, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, in like manner, I feel like so many times we complain about unanswered prayers. Why didn't I get this? Why didn't I, you know, and it's like, look at Jesus. That's the greatest unanswered prayer of all. When he says, let this cup pass from me. Thank God he didn't answer that prayer. Because mm-hmm. had he answered that prayer, none of us would be saved right now. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and so it's like, it's like, you better thank God for every person that, that God said no to in your life. Thank God for every circumstance God said no to in your life, because you just don't have the kind of knowledge and foreknowledge that God has about your future and about his glory and about his plans. Um, we don't have that kind of capacity. And, and I, I think in, in, the, in the sermon, if, if I remember, I used the, the example of Job and how he went before the Lord. Um, and I think that the Lord uh, said something like, uh, brace yourself like a man or something to that effect. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, after he heard all of Joel's complaint, complaints, he said, brace yourself like a man. Like, I will question you and mm-hmm. you shall answer me. And, right. then, um, and then that's when he goes into the, you know, where were you? When I said, when I laid the earth's foundation and where were you, all the, where were you questions, you know, mm-hmm. um, basically what he was saying is Job, you just don't have this kind of knowledge. You just don't have this kind of knowledge. So why, you know, mm-hmm. why you're, I think the term is, uh, that Job used, you are obscuring my plans with words without knowledge. That's what right. he said. That's so right, it's, yeah. it, he was saying you're obscuring. Um, my plan or wisdom, I forget how, how he worded it, with words without knowledge. So basically, you're speaking what you don't know. You don't mm-hmm. know. There's so much more. There's so many nuances to this world that you just don't get. So um, that's why it's important that we don't complain and that we have an attitude that, especially when our prayers are unanswered, that we have an attitude that says, not my will, but thine be done. Not my will, but thine be done. In the book of Job, in chapter 38, this is what the Lord said. This is what God answered to Job. He said, who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Every time you complain, you are obscuring God's plans with words without knowledge. In other words, you are talking what you don't know. You are in way over your head. Some of us are complaining about unanswered prayers in your life, unanswered petitions. I'm going to tell you right now, you ought to bless God for every unanswered prayer in your life. Yeah, I heard a preacher recently reference uh, 
it was, I think, in, in reference to that story in Job where he was talking about how like God has existed from the beginning. And, and when we come to an added, come to him with an attitude of complaint, you know, uh, I've been around 33 years on this earth and I'm trying to tell the God that has created all things has existed in all time and space, knows every cultural context, uh, is, has intimate knowledge of, of everything. I'm trying to tell him how to do his job, you know? And, uh, uh that's pretty powerful. <laughs> the thought of that is pretty powerful. Well, just the think about it. Like, think about like whenever you travel, if you go somewhere you haven't been before and you, and you interact with a, with a, with a culture that, that you haven't been involved in before and how much that opens up your understanding to, to those type of people or, or that right. part of the world. And, and we have such a limited understanding and such limited knowledge just with cultural context, let alone, you know, all knowledge and understanding and, and he knows all. And yet we're still trying yeah. to question him, you know? Absolutely. I think that the equivalent of that would be like me jumping in a in a pilot's, uh, you know, cabin or whatever and uh, saying, hey, I think you should hit that. button." <laughs> like, I don't yeah. I don't like the way you move this lever. It's that button. It looks nicer. And, yeah. you know, he's going to, you know, he's got years upon years of experience and education and, and science behind it. Um, and you're you and me, who's never flown a plane in my life, who doesn't understand the last thing of what it means to fly, I'm yeah. going to tell him exactly how he, you know, and and that's and that doesn't even do justice mm. to how much more infinitely wise God is over us. Mm. Um, and so, um, to me, it's you know, why do we complain about things we just don't, we don't understand, you know, we just yeah. don't understand. Yeah. Have you ever, have you ever flown in a plane with an open cockpit, like a really small plane? Uh, um, yes, I have. Yeah. Yes, I have. I, I just did it recently this year. I, I talked about it on the podcast, but it's like, I think it was like a 10 seater plane and you're just seeing them work. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. That's, I uh, I flew as a, uh, in the co-pilot seat. Oh um, wow, wow! One time, and that's even that's even crazier because yeah. you know there's buttons that extend on that dashboard over to your side that he's using, mm-hmm. and and the whole time I'm just holding on to because <laughs> you're just afraid that my arm is going to slip and I'm going to touch something, <laughs> and this plane is going to nosedive. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that's. That would be a, a, the equivalent of that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's so good. Uh, so uh, let's pivot here a little bit. You're talking in the message, um, and, and this is obviously a, a really powerful example when you're talking about complaining, because when you're looking at the story of the Israelites in the, in the wilderness, their journey in the wilderness, and I think even the passage that, that is your main text uh, is in reference to that, and, and they're complaining and, and what they went through all throughout that journey. And, and you talk about that and you talk about God's response to it. Um, what does their behavior have to do with the apostolic believer in 2022? Because this, you know, this happened so many years ago. Why should that matter to us? Why should we care about their response and, and how does that affect us? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Um, I know that... <laughs> You know, I think most people would probably think, well, that's Old Testament. That happened, you know, 4,000 years ago or, or what have you. Um, so what does that have to do with us? But in, in 1 Corinthians 10, there is a, um, a very telling scripture there. And um, I, I don't have time here at this podcast to go into the context of that. But if if you just really read the um, the verses themselves are just really powerful. And that is, uh, Paul is comparing, he's saying, look, don't, if you think that you um, are assured of, of, of a place like you don't have to work out your salvation and do certain things, that you're good, uh, be careful. Because mm-hmm. Israel was baptized in the sea. Israel I mean, they they saw all the greatest miracles. Israel did, you know, all, all this stuff. And yet, 
Um, if you go down towards the middle of that chapter, um, it says uh, all these things happen to them as example. It, it goes into all their punishments, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and how um, even though they were baptized and see, even though they saw the miracles, even though God was on their side and, and they were the people of God, it talks about how they went through all these punishments. Mm. And then it and then it finishes out by saying all these things happened to them. What things? All the punishments that they went through happened to them as example. And they were written for our admonition, right? They were written for our admonition. Well, somebody says, well, the things that they're talking about is just that, uh, you know, experiences with God and stuff like that. Just just any basic story is is was written for our example. No, that's not what he was talking about. You don't need admonition for great stories or good stories. The admonition is coming because of the punishments they receive. And Mm -hmm. so what the apostle is saying is all of these punishments that happened to them for whatever they did, they happened to them as examples. They were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Um, So we need to be careful to see how God treated them and how God responded to them when they sinned, because those things were put in there. He didn't just leave the good things in there. Like he put the ways that he, you know, he um, admonished them and rebuked them and, and, and punished, um, et cetera. He put it all in there and disciplined them. He put it in there as our examples for our admonition. But the immediate text or the immediate context of that verse is uh, don't complain as some of them also complain Mm. and they were destroyed by the destroyer. They were destroyed Mm. by the destroyer. And then the very next verse says, and all these things happened to them as examples. And so it's talking, hey, don't murmur because the people of Israel murmured and look at what happened to them. Mm. And guess what? They were destroyed by by the destroyer because of their murmuring. And now you don't do it in the 21st century. We're in the 21st century, right? I keep yes, sir. thinking we're in the 20th. Uh, <laughs> okay, well, let me, or as my son said, Dad, you're from the 1900s. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so all of those things happen to them as examples to us. All of the, you know, God admonishing them and rebuking, and especially when they're, they complain, and they were destroyed by the destroyer. So I think that that's the relevance to uh, an apostolic person in the in the 21st century. Um, this is not just an Old Testament thing. God still despises a spirit of complaint and a spirit of murmuring. And we should, it should give us pause when we read that scripture. And we should say, you know what? If they were destroyed by the destroyer, what would happen to me? Now that I have their example and I'm still not heeding to it, um, what would happen to me? So that should all give us pause. That's the relevance to our generation today. Yeah, and and they had those experiences uh, in the wilderness and and being delivered out. um, And yet we have so much more. You know, we've been given so much more. You know, we we we've been baptized his name. We've been filled with his spirit. We've been given all of these gifts and all of these wonderful things. And, you know, if he's telling them not to complain, how much more should we as, as Christians not complain? And, and again, when you're talking about complaint, you're not talking about the, the appropriate way of complaining, which is right. spelled out in Psalm, but you're talking about right. having that spirit of, of mumbling and grumbling and, 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 and not reconciling and that complaint. Yeah, exactly. Right. Right. Not, you're not casting your cares on the Lord. You're just Absolutely. keeping all those cares on yourself and Absolutely. complaining about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It is the it, constant overflow of complaint. It's mm-hmm. like a, a secret volcano that is just, you know, it just, it's it, at some point it's just going to erupt because you're mm-hmm. just, there's a bitterness inside of you about the course of your life or where you are, you know, and that kind of stuff. It's like, good. God just despises it. And I think also the reason this message resonates so much, and I believe that you know 
he God gave it to you in the time that he did is, is in the con- the context that we're living in right now, you know, um, we're coming out of, of this pandemic. And, and so things are, are looking brighter, but man, for, for 18 months, we had a lot of things to complain about and to focus on. And, and we, we've many times, even those of us who are in leadership, those of us who are involved in church, um, you know, we were focusing our complaint on the government, our complaint on the, the circumstances. And, and it's so important that, that, as you say in that message, we, we take those complaints to the Lord and then leave it with him and trust in, in, his, in, in his plan, you know? Well, you always have to have the attitude, especially if you're a child of God. Um, I think that I use the word punishment, but but honestly, it's not punishment for the child of God is discipline. The, mm. the word is discipline because uh, punishment is just retribution for a sin and you just kind of leave it there. Whereas discipline is trying to correct your way um, like, like a loving father. He, right. he doesn't discipline you just as retribution or as revenge, you know, um, he, he doesn't, he, he, cor- he corrects you. He disciplines you. I'm sorry. I think I said this. Uh, I'm getting so confused. A loving <laughs> father doesn't punish you as revenge or as right. retribution. A loving father disciplines you because in, in the end, what he wants is your salvation. He Correct. wants you to do the right thing. Correct. He wants yeah. you to, you know, he's, he's trying to, correct your course. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I use the example for that, uh, that I use uh, so many times is, listen, if you, if a father sees you walking down the street and there's a, there's a semi truck headed towards you. Um, and the only way that he can, it's too late for him to scream at you, right. For you to get out the way. Um, I don't think that you would have anything against him if he bombards you and tackles you out of the way in the process, you might've broken an arm. I don't think that in that process, you're going to, you're going to get up and say, you know, that's why I hate you. And that's why this, and my arm would have been just fine. Had you just never, you know, you would have, you wouldn't have done that because you see the big picture. You see the big picture. And, um, I think that that's, that's what, parents do parents discipline and in that discipline there may be some pain involved you know you may not like it at the moment but there's a there's a reason why mm. there's a reason why behind it um and um i think that example is actually quite profound because as as you say in the example you don't see the truck coming so you don't see why necessarily Exactly. This is happening or necessarily why this is taking place. And you don't actually understand it until the truck has already passed by. Exactly. You, know? you see the truck exactly. pass by and you're like, oh, this is why he did what he did. But exactly. in the moment, you don't know. And, right. and often that happens in our walk with God where like, you know, we don't understand why he's pulling something out of us, why he's cutting something away, why he's, as you said earlier, taking away a relationship or, or guiding us in another direction until you know, we got that hindsight and we see this thing that passed by. Yeah. And, and, and you know, another law of hermeneutics is that every analogy breaks down at some point. <laughs> yes, that's so right. Do not, uh, you know, treat analogies very loosely uh, because at some point someone's going to say, well, what about this? And you're going to go, <laughs> well, it doesn't apply. <laughs> but, yeah. um, um, so, but what I would say just to kind of, uh, further this analogy a little that, uh, there many times when that father tackles you out of the way, you break your arm, you know, you're so focused on the pain that you actually won't see the truck going by. Mm-hmm. And so in your heart of hearts, you're still going, my dad is, why would he do that? Why would he, because you never saw the truck. And it's not until a later time when you guys go back into the closed circuit camera uh, somewhere up on the street that he shows you, rewinds and shows you and goes, this is why I did what I did. Look at this truck. Look at it the way it went by. You didn't see it, but I foresaw it. I saw it. It's not until then that you'll go, my Lord, you know, my dad, mm. um, I, I'm, I'm so thankful you saved me. You saved me from so much. 
And I think that that's the same. I think that that's as far as I can push that analogy. But yeah. um, I think that that's the way that we should also kind of, you know, perceive God working in us and disciplining us. That sometimes it might hurt at the moment and we're so focused on the pain that we don't actually see the trouble, the bigger trouble that was headed our way until uh, either later on in life or when we all get together on the by and by and we'll understand it better, as the song says, um, and, and we'll ask him and he'll, he'll kind of bring the film back. I hope he gets rid of my film, honestly. <laughs> Uh, goodness gracious. But um, when he rewinds the film, he's going to go, hey, remember this? This is why. Remember that? This is why. And we'll go, wow, I didn't see that truck. I didn't see that truck coming at the time. I didn't hear it at the time. Um, I, can I just say this real quick? Uh, yes. I was in Sydney. This This reminds me of this story. I was in Sydney the other the last time I was in Sydney and, you know, whenever I go to places, I love to roam around the city on my own and do whatever, do my own thing. So I forget how I got downtown. I think I took public transportation of, of some sort. or I, I don't remember. Oh, I may have taken an Uber um, mm -hmm. and I went downtown and I'm just roaming that. And you know how you guys drive on the opposite end of the street from us, you know? Right. Um, opposite side of the street, sorry. And um, bro, I can tell you with certainty here today that I almost died. <laughs> and I am not even, I'm not exact. I know people exaggerate things and they whatever. And it happened so quickly and so nonchalantly that um, that it almost feels, I almost feels feel guilty saying it that way because it it was like just a second and then life kept moving so it was almost like eh you know you know just mm -hmm. it wasn't that important but bro when i sat back and thought of it i thought i just almost died <laughs> because i'm crossing the street so i'm used to crossing the street and looking to to my left mm -hmm. to see if any cars are coming mm -hmm. so i saw no one coming it was a it was a one way street. I, I figured it was a one way street, and I saw no one coming. Um, and I'm thinking, you know, that cars are coming in this direction, bro. There was a huge bus. Oh wow! When I say huge, and it was speeding, and it was coming right at me, and I'm looking the other way, and I just remember stepping out onto the street, and an Asian man grabbed me from behind and reeled me in i mean he pulled as hard as he could and brought me back to the sidewalk as i almost broke this chair i'm sitting on uh, but he he reeled me in pulled me back to the sidewalk and um and at first i didn't under you know i thought good who's out you know i'm ready to throw hands with somebody <laughs> out in sydney i'm like who in the world would pull me like that and it wasn't until I actually saw the bus that I I was so thankful to the man and it it hit me. I almost died just now. Um even as the bus went by, it just honked on the on the horn for like five seconds. Just letting me know, like, dude, you almost died right now. Like, mm. be careful. Um, but it it was one of my I've I've had some near death experiences in my life. That is up there. That is definitely yeah, up that's there. That's wild. Um, that's wild. But anyway, I, I I said that it just reminded me of how God mm. kind of you know pulls you out of the way, and sometimes you're like, what? What in the world? Why are you messing my uh, my comfort or whatever it is? And he's like, there's a bus. You're looking in the wrong direction. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, and and to yeah to unpack that a little bit more. Uh, all throughout the city of Sydney, those those are from the states who are, are visiting or who uh, drive on the opposite side of the road on the ground. Just before you cross at every intersection downtown, it says "watch" and it points you in in the right way to watch. So, if you just read the bro. word, bro, if you just read the word, it was there. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, somebody! 
That's pretty powerful. My God. <laughs> when you miss the signs, God has to take it into his own hand. <laughs> That's right. When you don't read the word, somebody has That's to. That's right. Say you don't that. read that word. <laughs> awesome. Oh man! Yep. Well, I, I've thoroughly enjoyed our time together, man. I I, I really yes, thank you for taking the time, especially, uh, you know, in this in this moment in your life where things are going a bit crazy and, and you're getting everything ramped up for the launch of uh, Vertical Vertical. Uh, sure yes, not, sir. We're we're so excited, man. <laughs> we are so pumped about it, and um, pray for us. Yeah, we'll uh, be we praying James for you, Wilson. Bro. We have James Wilson coming now. I don't think he even knows what he's getting into. Like <laughs> it's a, it's a it's like a small, you know, church plant uh, out in the middle of the desert somewhere, and it's like it's just us. And and we this guy's probably booked three years in you know three years in <laughs> advance, and here he is coming, and uh, he's going to be with us, and uh, it's we're so so excited. Yeah, it's um, going to be amazing for this launch. So pray for us. And yeah, uh, last thing I want to say, too, is that the only way to combat the spirit of complaint is through contentment. It's through mm. contentment. So um, I think like, uh, you know, um, and, and contentment doesn't come naturally. Paul said, I have learned to be content in whatsoever state that I'm in. So that's something that we need to learn to be content and not complain. And in the end, Habakkuk in the last chapter had to stand up and sing a song. And this is the song that he sang. He said, though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, and though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation, the Lord God, you are my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet, and he will make me walk on my high hills. He will make me dance before him. He will give me the strength to be content in whatsoever state that I am. He'll give me the strength to go through the valley. He'll give me the strength to go through difficult times, even when I feel like I'm abandoned. God God, you are my strength. I will sing. He sang in the midst of his affliction. And somebody said, well, preacher, you're just Pentecostaling this message up. You're just taking this thing out of context. No, I'm not. You know how I'm not? Because the Bible tells you it was a song. It says to the chief musician with my stringed instruments, he brought out the guitar and he said, I've got a song. I've got to sing in the midst of my affliction, in the midst of my trial, in the midst of my tribulation. I've got to praise and I've got to get it out. I've got to dance that the world can't take from me. I've got something that no circumstance can rob from me. No hell can take from me the joy that I have. This world did not give it and this world can't take it away somebody in here you've got to just make up in your mind that the gun goose my spirit rebuke it in the name of Jesus and say I've got to find my strength in God